Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey everyone and welcome into Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague Lisa Carlin, analyst and broadcaster for CBS Sports. On today's show, we are eight days out from the official 2023 World Cup. We're going to chat all about it. We're going to chat all about some of the NWSL players that we're going to see down under. But before we take a deep dive into everything Quick reminder for you all, go ahead and download, follow, and subscribe to us as a podcast so that you never miss out on a single episode. The World Cup is just days away, and A3 is your spot for all of your U.S. Women's National Team news and content and all things World Cup and more. Lisa, happy anniversary, bud. Happy birthday. Happy anniversary. It's so special for us that we get to do this um, actually on the anniversary, right? It was July 12th, 2021. We launched Attacking Third. You and I in our homes uh, over Zoom, going live on YouTube, putting it out there as a podcast. And and thank you to everyone in this community that has listened, whether you were here Two years ago on July 12th, where this is your very first episode ever listening to us to talk about the World Cup. Welcome. Thank you for being here. We truly could not have done it without you. Um, Sandra, I, I told you this this morning. This show would not be what it is without you. So thank you for all you do. And happy birthday. <laughs> I love it. I feel the same way. I, I woke up this morning and I was like, we're going to celebrate two years of attacking third at CBS. And I'm just thrilled about that. But I, I'm mostly grateful that we've got to do all of this stuff together, like looking at some of the numbers, because that's what we do here on A3. We've also got numbers, just like uh, when we're talking about games or player performances and things like that. But I love looking at, at some of this. We have 428 episodes that we've recorded together. We've covered two NWSL championships. We, we launched during the Tokyo Olympic Games and we're about to cover a World Cup. I just, I'm so thrilled. And I think what's what I've really enjoyed 
the most is working alongside you and kind of like growing our little community here. Shout out to everyone wishing us a uh, happy anniversary, happy birthday. We we appreciate you all so much as well. And we're happy to be here with yeah. you. Yeah. It's so special. As you mentioned, 428 episodes. And I did a little math. You know how I get with my stats sometimes, Sandra. I, I it, We originally launched as three times a week. That's what our goal was. We're going to go three times a week and talk about women's soccer. If we did three times a week only for two years, that would have been 314 episodes. But we have an additional 114 extra episodes that we have gone live for, put out as a podcast, whether they were extra interview episodes or emergency episodes or breaking news or recap episodes that went live right after a U.S. game. Um, That's a lot of content that we have put out there insane. It is crazy to think about. We've covered World Cup qualifiers. We've done um, live shows, a number of different live shows, whether they were at the NWSL championship or at the W CONCACAF launch party. Um, So many amazing things that we have done. And it started with just a handful of pilot episodes before CBS said, hey, you know what? This is is pretty good. You guys got something good here. Let's make it real and live. So Thank you. Thank you to everyone. Thank you to you, Sandra, because we're two. We turn two today. Yeah, the duo turns two. I can wipe <laughs> my eyebrow thinking about those pilot episodes. We were doing rehearsals and, and going over and practicing and doing rundowns and saying this is this is how we would like it to be. Don't you think this is cool enough to support? And thankfully, CBS said, absolutely. Yeah. And, and thanks to all of the guests, anyone that we've had on as a guest, whether Sandra was missing or I was missing or we had three people on, four people on. Shout out to those people because they made it pretty fun as well. 100%. We should. I mean, look, we've had a ton of interviews. We've had a ton of guests. We've had a lot of like memorable moments. I let, I got asked, what are some of your what are some of the ones that stick out for you that uh, that you kind of. Uh, like to revisit from time to time. We have had some incredible, incredible interviews, whether it was NWSL first draft picks that came into it, whether it was um, one a, a special one for me for sure was when we went to Angel City and we got to do a live show. And this one is also out there as a podcast and on YouTube. And we got to interview Kristen Press um, playing for Angel City in Los Angeles. That was last year. Uh, that was massive. That gave me a lot of chills for sure. Um, I mean, there are so many good ones. When uh, Bay FC, um, now known as Bay FC and, and going to be the 13th or 14th NWSL club in the league, when they first announced bring NWSL to the Bay, we chatted with Allie Wagner, former U.S. women's national team star, and also Brandy Chastain. And we did that interview. You and I were at our homes like we usually are. Mm-hmm. Allie was in her beautiful home in California. And Brandy Chastain took this interview with us from a soccer field. Like it, it was an eight no thing. She's sitting in like, like a fold-up soccer chair, and she's like, hey, guys, I'm just watching a lot of games. I'm at a tournament right now. Let's do this interview. It was fantastic. It was great. And they talked about bringing a club team to the Bay Area and, and the NWSL, and all the while, clearly, she is just bleeding soccer. You can tell it's her life because she's literally surrounded by it. There's whistles. There's yelling. It is. It's a really good one. It's a really good one with Brandy Chastain and Allie Wagner. I love that there's just like in that episode, you could just see like kids just like running, <laughs> running around and playing soccer. No, those those are all up there for me, too, whether it was the the pre-interviews before it became 
Bay FC. Um, yeah, the, the Angel City collaboration, um, chatting with Kristen Press and the launch of one of the new lines. Like we got to we got a little bit of swag. That was cool yeah. too. And like that kind of stuff is always really fun to me. Whenever we have interviews with with players and they get a chance to talk about the things that are important to them or that they're passionate about or that they're working on that um, are things that are off the pitch. And it's nice to sort of bring all that together on, on the show. But it's also really like I love that we've been able to kind of utilize A3 as a platform at mm-hmm. times. I mean, one of my favorite ones, and this is a bit of a throwback, is our uh, interview with Sadella Marley and everything that she's been working on and doing with Jamaica's women's national team, the reggae girls who are going to their second World Cup. And while it's disheartening to know that, like, leading into this, they are still, you know, unfortunately having to deal with some lack of funding and resources and things and as they prep for their second tournament to have that interview and have all that on record and like know that this has been an ongoing process is like a little bit of a, I don't want to say it's a bookend, but it's like a little moment where you can look at and say, Hey, this has actually been an ongoing thing. Like there have been folks who have like pointed to the interview or, or the the write-up that I did of it as like a point of reference. And it's just yeah. wild to, to think about how, some of the work and some of the content that we do kind of exists like that in terms in in the space. And so I'm very grateful to folks who want to come on the show and maybe talk about things that aren't going to be so, um, you know, happy go lucky or, or butterflies and sunshine that maybe sometimes there's still a lot of work that has to be done behind the scenes. So I'm very grateful for anyone who comes on the show and has interviews like that. So shout out to Sadella Margie and the, and we had a ton of interviews around the CBA as well. Like, with yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like Tori Huster, uh, president of of the Players Association. Um, Megan came on. We had Jessica Berman, the commissioner of the league, come on. We had so many different players around uh, the CBA and the signing of it. Come on and, and talk to us about it and what it means. Uh, Yale, Averbush West at, at Gotham and, and Lori Lindsay talked about that as well. Um yeah, we've had very special it's, moments. It's crazy to think about, like just yeah. running it down right now with you because we we were chatting about it just briefly before we went live, and like that's how that's how you know it's real because oh, it's just, totally, it's just sort of pouring out of us right now. Yeah, we like, we're bringing up things that we didn't even like touch on before, and just thinking about it, it brings a smile on our faces, and, and um, it's and been a blast. With- with it's it's very like kismic that this two year anniversary is just days before we cover the World Cup, eight days. And when you look at how many players in the NWSL are going to the World Cup, we've interviewed a number of them as well. Like not just big moments and, and the CBA and Sidella Marley, but like Casey Murphy, Alana Cook, Lynn yeah. Williams, Rose Lavelle. Um, yeah. The list goes on. Naomi Gurma, Sophia Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we have interviewed so many players. Um, Sam Mewis, we interviewed her. I know she's not going to the World Cup, but as part of our Title IX coverage that we did. Um, I mean, like there are just so many interviews that we've done. So if you're looking for any content with U.S. players, NWSL players, World Cup content, we've probably talked to them. We talked to Savannah DeMello um, as a rookie last year and and kind of how she was able to take the, the NWSL by storm. And now she's going to her first World Cup. Massive. Go check out some of those interviews because they're really good. Absolutely. I love that you're touching on, on some of these NWSL players because we have to 
to talk about that as well. Uh, there's a ton of NWSL players who are heading to the Southern Hemisphere who are really there already in order to prepare for the upcoming group stage in the World Cup. But we want to celebrate that alongside the league because there are 60 players who will represent NWSL clubs in the 2023 World Cup. There are 28 of them that are headed to their first ever international tournament. Amazing. I am just like, wow. It is truly incredible. Um, This is the largest number of NWSL players that have ever been at the World Cup representing half of the teams or that are going or um, with 32 teams going right like that's kind of where it gets interesting. Um, But it every single club is represented at 12 clubs. And and when you look at the U.S. roster, right, I think that's where a lot of people's minds go first. Of the 23 players, 22 of them uh, play in the NWSL with the one exception of midfielder Lindsey Horan, who plays for Lyon. Um, but nearly half of the competing nations have NWSL representation. And the fact that this is the largest Women's World Cup with expansion to 32 nations playing and half of them have NWSL representation is is massive. And that number was growing up until like just a few days ago when NWSL clubs were making signings and they were um, adding new players in. You look at uh, Mariana LaRoquette with Orlando, who's been in the NWSL before, but now she's back. She'll be representing Argentina. Um, I mean, there's so many different ones, but it is incredible. And so a lot of familiar faces for people listening to this episode and joining us live when you're watching the World Cup that maybe you're, you've just been focused on the Americans or the U.S. Women's National Team, but you're a big NWSL fan, there's going to be familiar faces across the entirety of the tournament that you can not only watch and, and get familiar with and understand how they play, but also cheer for them a little bit because uh, teams have to get out of their group stages. They need people cheering for them. So find some NWSL players, go go cheer for their nation. I, I love that there's so many clubs that are going to be represented in this tournament and that they are also going to be represented across so many different international squads as well. Like you mentioned the the 22 players for the United States women's national team. Yes, that's, that's the bulk of them, but I love that there are so many NWSL Canadians that are going to be involved in this upcoming world cup. There's going to be so many NWSL Brazilians within this tournament as well. Australia, Costa Rica, even Denmark as well. The list goes on and on and on. Ireland's going to be represented. The reggae girls as well. Japan. It's just like you can go down and just really find uh, so many different countries within these 60 players uh, that will represent uh, NWSL as well as the their in respective international teams. And uh, you know what? We're going to actually pause for a second because we've got so much World Cup content to talk about. we got to break it down and break it up for you all. So make sure you stick with us after a quick break. Happy birthday to us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome back. We are celebrating Attacking Third's two-year anniversary. Happy birthday to us. And we're going to keep talking about NWSL players uh, in the upcoming World Cup because it is just eight days away. You heard that right. Nearly a week to go before the FIFA 2023 World Cup, kicking off on July 20th. Yes, there's going to be a ton of NWSL representation out in the tournament with 60 players, multiple international teams with NWSL squads represented among them. But there's also some debutantes within the debutantes going to the World Cup Look, with this being one of the most historic World Cups in many different capacities, we've got the first ever Women's World Cup tournament that is going to be hosted across two countries. The first time there's going to be 32 national teams represented. There's going to be a historic number of debutant teams making their first appearance as well. So that means there's going to be a ton of players uh, with the opportunity to represent a World Cup for the first time. And within that, there's even some of those NWSL players as well. We know that Ireland is going to be a debutant team. In fact, they are kicking off the World Cup against Australia on July 20th. But Panama is also one of these debutant teams as well heading into the World Cup. A couple of CONCACAF teams for the first time alongside Haiti as well. And we wanted to take an opportunity in a moment here to maybe touch on some players uh, that we want to take a look at or keep a closer eye on. I'm very, very excited to maybe see some some, some interesting things out of Panama because I wasn't too sure if this particular player was going to be on the roster because there's always those provisional rosters that come through through with large number of players and who's it going to get whittled down to. But Riley Tanner is going to represent NWSL with Panama as well going down under. And that was a a little bit of a surprise for, for me, Lisa, but I just wasn't too sure. Even with her success, she kind of came on a little late with, with Panama. So I was like, is there enough time here, enough time here for her to build up with this team? But I think that's something, I think that's a common thread with a lot of maybe surprise NWSL names going to the World Cup that they had a short window, but here they are. They've arrived. Yeah, I think Riley Tanner is definitely an interesting one. Um, She currently plays with the Washington Spirit in the NWSL. Um, She's a forward. She's been scoring some goals. She's been a big part of that team. She's from Michigan. She graduated from Alabama and was chosen in the third round of this year's draft. So she's a rookie in the NWSL. And you're exactly right. It was um, she had a good run with Panama leading up to this World Cup. Her, Her first appearance was only in 2023. She's only got two 
two appearances. However, she's got a goal. So two caps, one goal for Riley Tanner. Um, and she played in the Interconfederation playoffs with Panama. So she was part of the 23-player squad that actually helped Panama as debutantes get to their very first World Cup um, against Papua New Guinea. Riley Tanner is one that scored a goal against them, right? She came in off the bench and she ended up getting that insurance goal for them, uh, getting a 2-0 win for Panama over Papua New Guinea. And that's what pushed Panama into the World Cup. So, yeah, I think it is a little bit interesting. I like that you called her a bit of a surprise one for uh, this Panama roster because she's only got two caps, right, heading into it. And But you also think about the time that she got those caps, right? During the Inter-Confederation playoffs, she was part of the the squad that helped push them. So she's already been part of the recent, very recent success of this Panama side. And now she gets to go to the World Cup and go down under. So she um, is definitely one to keep an eye out at at age 23. She's from Michigan as well and and plays with the spirit as a forward. Keep an eye on, on Tanner with Panama. Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe some other surprise names. I think if <laughs> at this point, some some folks might be like, I called that. I knew that this player was going to be really, really good and, and head down under. But uh, Savannah DeMello for United States women's national team, kind of a surprise in some sense in that yeah. she hadn't had her first cap with the team until literally the send-off match where she came in to the game as a substitute. Good to, we mentioned on the preview for that game, you specifically said, I think this is the game she's got to, you want to make sure she gets that out of the way before she goes to the World Cup. But uh, while it might be a surprise and in that sense, in terms of what we have seen out of her in NWSL, maybe it's one of these things where you could look at this player and say, hey, this actually all goes in line with what we've heard out of the coaching staff in the buildup to the World Cup, where club play was going to be a little bit of a final indicator for who's going to go. And so maybe in that sense, it's not a surprise. (laughs) Yeah, I think Savannah DeMello is one that um, when the U.S. roster dropped was a bit of a shock, not necessarily because she doesn't deserve it. She's completely played her way onto this roster for the United States and Black Wendonofsky with what she's done at Racing Louisville. However, it was a surprise because she didn't have a cap. As you mentioned, she she did get her first one in the send-off series for the U.S. against Wales. But um, I think a bit of a surprise to see her on that roster and, and moving forward and kind of what can happen there. Um, so it, in terms of another debutante team, because when you look across the, the world stage and who's going, there are a number of debutantes, whether it's Vietnam, Zambia, Haiti, Morocco, Panama, the Philippines, Portugal, and Ireland. We touched on Panama a little with Riley Tanner, but in with the Republic of Ireland, this is the, a debutante, and there are three NWSL players going to the World Cup with the Republic of Ireland. I think the biggest name out there is midfielder Denise O'Sullivan. Um, She has been in the NWSL uh, for years. She started in Houston in 2016, but mostly she's been with North Carolina Courage since 2017. Uh, She's helped them lift multiple championships, the Challenge Cup championship, and she's been part of the international stage for Ireland since 2011. 102 caps, 18 goals heading into this World Cup. It's no wonder, this is not a surprise at all, that she is on the roster. 29 years old, 
and massive for Denise O'Sullivan. She's talked about it in interviews that that you can see, whether it's with North Carolina Courage or, or with Ireland, about how proud she is of her team. She's from uh, County of Cork in Ireland, and, and she is it's her first World Cup, and she gets to go with her Irish side. Um, but there's also a couple others. Sinead Farley with Gotham FC, who's back in the NWSL. She was a catalyst and a big advocate speaking out for um, the players' rights and the CBA after a lot of uh, abuse and, and mistreatment happened in the NWSL. And she got recently called up into the, the Irish national team. And now she is on that roster. We saw her play uh, with Ireland against the United States during those April friendlies. And she got called up again. She's been a big part of Gotham's side in the midfield. And then also Marissa Shiva. She's with Washington Spirit in the NWSL. She Signed with them last year, I believe, as like a, a national team replacement player initially, and then ultimately got a contract in the offseason and at the start of this year. And she's been a part of Mark Parsons' squad throughout Washington Spirit's tenure. She only has four caps with Irish national team. She, she had to get her uh, passport and had to become an Irish citizen. Uh, her family has a lot of ties there, both of her parents, um, her her American father and then her Irish mother. So she's now Irish American. She, she got the paperwork and she was able to join the Republic of Ireland national team. Um, and she'll be headed down under to the world cup. She was a big part of those April friendlies as when as, as well. Uh, she played most recently for Ireland against France in their sendoff game and heads to the world cup with four caps. So a number of players on debutante teams in the NWSL. Lisa, I don't know if you know this at this point, but there's eight days till the World Cup. I feel like I've been repeating that on on this episode. But look, we love we love a theme here at Attacking Third. And while really the theme is happy birthday to to us, there's eight debutante teams heading to this World Cup. And we're honestly really thrilled to take a look at every single one. We've been chatting a lot about Ireland. We've chatted a bit about Panama as well, but Haiti is going to be a team that is represented at this World Cup as a debutante Morocco entering this tournament for the first time. We are also going to get a look at the Philippines for the first time in this upcoming World Cup. Portugal alongside in that group E with the United States is a debutante team. We've also got Vietnam as part of that group as debutantes. We've got Zambia that is going to be represented at this World Cup for the first time. And of course, we mentioned uh, Ireland and Panama as well. So eight teams getting their first chance to represent their nations at this upcoming World Cup. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm ex- I think you can go through each of these eight teams and find something. Yeah to be excited about for, for all of them. It's not just the fact that they are going to be there for the first time, although that's an incredible honor and an incredible moment to be the firsts in your program's history. That in itself is probably the biggest storyline around so many of these teams. But I mean, there have been some moments where we have come onto this show in this recent 
window of time leading up to this World Cup. And we've had to talk about some really good performances from these teams heading into the group stage, whether it was Vietnam and how they had performed against Germany or Zambia and how they also have performed against Germany as well. Like not being intimidated by uh, these big moments in front of them. No, I mean, I think you have to look at it as a whole, right, in some of these senses and some of these debutante teams as well. I know you mentioned Haiti, starting with them because they're a CONCACAF team, you know, near and dear to our heart. They are a nation that as an entire country, men's or women's side, they haven't appeared at a World Cup in 49 years. The men's team went in 1974 to the Men's World Cup, and then it's been a bit of a drought. 49 years later, you you see this women's national team for Haiti beating Chile in the Inter-Confederation playoff final, going on a run throughout the W Championship, going on a run throughout the Inter-Confederation playoff, basically dominating in the attacking end saying, hey, we're going to be a team that scores goals and just runs over teams and gets that goal differential. You also look at Morocco. This is a a team that um, qualified because they were runners up at the CAF Women's African Cup of Nations, a a tournament in which they hosted as Morocco. And they're riding the wave of their men's team as they should and as the nation should. You look back to November of last year for the Men's World Cup, um, they were the first African side to reach the semifinals of uh, a men's World Cup. And they went on an incredible run. It was so fun to watch the Moroccan men's team play. And now we get to watch the women's side. So the the stories that surround these debutante nations um, – go deeper than just, wow, they're headed to their first World Cup. And there's so many different factors as to why there are eight debutantes. Of course, one of them being the expanded field of 32 players or of 32 teams, excuse me, but also because there's a little bit more investment in these women's programs. Um, and, and that's what is interesting to see. I mean, you look at Portugal, this is a, a nation that on their men's side has done tremendous throughout the World Cup. Uh, and in international play and through their league play for the men's side and their women's side just hasn't, frankly, haven't gotten enough resources. And we're starting to see that change a little bit now with um, Portugal being named as debutantes and headed into this World Cup. No, I, I love that within some of so many of these debutante teams, we've kind of have tried to bridge a little bit of um, what American audiences can see at this World Cup. And it's not just the U.S. Women's National Team, although, of course, there's going to be a lot of folks with rooting interest there. But even just touching on some of these debutante teams and how there are the crossover with American players, you know, within some of these rosters as well, whether it's for, you know, Panama, as we mentioned, with Riley Taylor, but even with the Philippines, so many of their players have American roots as well, playing within collegiate systems or coming up in youth programs. I want to shout out. Meg Reyes, she's got some great content out there right now, building yeah. up new the World Cup around the Philippines team. So go check out her recent podcast project. And I just am like really, really amped up about these teams. I think even within them, they could cause some of their groups problems. You mentioned Portugal. We just had our episode where we talked about dark horses and I've got them picked to, to make some trouble in group E. They're my dark horse out of, out of group E for sure. Uh, And I'm really eager to kind of see some of all of this kind of come 
full circle a little bit. We're celebrating the, yeah. the two years of attacking third and just hearing you talk about Morocco and know that we had an interview with Rosella Ayan, you know, yep. just as they were coming off of that historic, uh, you know, kind of AFCON run. And I'm just like reliving that, like as, as you're talking about it. So just kind of getting, a, as it gets closer and closer, I'm just kind of like, we're going to finally get to stop talking about all the what ifs and finally get to see everything in action on the pitch. And I'm also eager to take a look at some of the players that are gonna be representing in this World Cup, who will eventually make a return from this tournament, but come to NWSL specifically. So they're going to these World Cups representing NWSL clubs that we actually haven't had a chance to see them play with. So for a few teams going into this World Cup, if you are an NWSL club with players that are representing there, there's some players that fans are going to get a look at for the first time just as these announcements for these signings have occurred. I mean, Orlando Pride has a couple of them, Kansas City Current, and so does Houston Dash. Yeah, I think that's really important to touch on. I know people in our chat are saying like, hey, thanks. I'm just joining you guys. Thanks for giving me players to watch out for. And that's a really cool thing about, for me, I think having the transfer window right kind of overlapping with the start of the World Cup because we're seeing a lot of different signings happening in the NWSL. But there's like a caveat in the club signing releases that say, but we won't get this player until after they're back from the World Cup. So yes, of course, they'll miss them. We're we're going on an NWSL six-week break. There will be Challenge Cup. But then you get them back stronger than ever coming off of a World Cup play. As you mentioned, Orlando does have a couple of them. Mariana La Roquette, she will be representing Argentina at the World Cup. She's played in the NWSL before. She spent time with Kansas City for a majority of their 2021 year um, at the very start of that season. So it was a rough season for Kansas City. But remember, they went on a run at the end of the year where they were just playing spoiler and, and La Roquette had this incredible goal for Kansas city from like five yards over the halfway point. Do you remember this, Sandra? She like gets her head up, sees that the goalkeeper is out of position and just nets this one from like literally the halfway line. It was fantastic. That was Mariana La Roquette, part of that run for Casey current. That was just knocking teams out of the playoffs, knocking them lower and lower and not being able to pick up points because of this run. So she'll be representing Argentina. She's been at the international level since 2014. She's got nearly 30 caps for Argentina. She's going to be a big part of that squad, but we haven't seen her in the NWSL in two years. So that's a player to look out for as well. And Orlando also has Rafaela, defender, um, who will join the NWSL um, after the World Cup and and with Brazil, but she's joining Orlando. It'll be her first time or her second time, excuse me, in the NWSL, right? She started with Houston. um, That was years ago, right at the start of the league. So impressive to see her. She's got, she's been a big part of this Brazilian international team um, on the roster since 2012. She's got over 75 caps, eight goals for Brazil. Those are just two Orlando sides that are, are joining, um, That'll be back. But there's a, a couple others, right? When we talk about Stine Balistager, a defender for Kansas City that is recently signed. She's a Denmark international. And then Houston, they've got Andresa Alves, a, another Brazilian midfielder that will be joining after the World Cup. Bring them out. 
You Bring them out. I love it. I, I'm here for it. You can see in my bio on Twitter, I said I'm always here to yell about Latinas in soccer. I, I'm excited. I, I love the return of Mariana Loquet to, to, to the NWSL. I love that there's even more Brazilians that are coming back into this league and in different phases of their career. I love that you touch on Rafael just getting a chance to be back in the United States and getting a chance to see how this player plays now in this yep. present state of her career I'm, I'm here for it so i'm i know i'm going to keep a close eye on, on some of these players as they perform in the world cup because they're gonna we're gonna get back to watching them eventually at some point when the regular season does crank back up and players do return back from the tournament so we're celebrating eight days out of the world cup eight debutante teams our two-year anniversary happy birthday to us but we've got more to talk about, so don't leave us. We'll be back after a quick break. The World Cup is just eight days away, and as every day goes by, every hour passes, every minute ticks, there's more and more things to talk about in the buildup. And, of course, we're going to be here to to provide all of the talking points and talk about all those things and have all the content. And one of those things we actually wanted to touch on right now were tournament odds because the tournament odds have been announced for the world cup just about a week out here and of course the united states are leading the way so if you are someone who is interested in betting odds you i think have some work cut out for you here because it's a little bit different i think depending on who you ask a little bit too there's differencing in opinion here so i think out of you know just general present day form respect and history united states are leading the odds in this one and right behind them not too far behind is england followed by spain germany france australia sweden the netherlands canada and brazil last in odds at 2500 so i i think there's going to be a lot of uh I'll just say it. I think if you are of any kind, there's going to be a lot of losers in this world. <laughs> but God bless you if you've got it to, to yeah. throw away. <laughs> I, I think we can almost learn from the Men's World Cup about all the upsets and everything that can happen. But people love to bet on this stuff. I'm still I've got to be really honest. I'm still learning like the odds and kind of what what it means. But we, we've thrown up a graphic here uh, for everyone joining us live on YouTube. The United States is plus 225 and it goes down. um the, the, for the tournament winner odds on our graphic, England, Spain, Germany, France, Australia, Sweden, Netherlands, Canada, all the way to Brazil at plus 2,500 is Brazil. And to me, that's the one that stands out the most on this. Um, it, when you look at Brazil and how far they've dropped, they're tied with Canada at, at plus 25 points in these betting odds right now. And and I just, I think Brazil is going to do much better than that. I think that I, I'm giving my betting advice for those that want to take it. Please take it with a grain of salt, I would bet on Brazil. I think they're going to do much better than these odds suggest. You've got really good odds for them going plus 2,500, um, at least like to continue to make it out of their group stage and to go on a run. Um, because when you look at kind of where these other teams have fallen, yeah, the United States at plus 225, of course, they're the favorites, but they're not the like majority favorites heading into this one. Uh, although they are number one ranked, they are two-time champions. Of course, you would expect them to be the favorites, but it's it's not blowing other nations out of the water. And 
I think that's very fair because I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk for the United States. I don't think it's going to be easy for them to A, get out of their group stage, B, make it through the round of 16, and C, make it all the way to the final, let alone win the final and come home with a win. It's going to be a very difficult uphill battle for the Americans. Um, And then a couple of these other nations have recently dealt with some injuries and dealt with um, injuries over the last several months or the last several days that, to me, have knocked them down in points in terms of how well they're going to do. England being plus 450 uh, at number two to win this, um, according to these FIFA World Cup betting odds. Yeah, I think that's pretty good to have England up top, Spain, um, Germany, France. They're definitely my top teams, but to me, Brazil deserves to be much higher um, with these odds. I'm with you 100%. Look, I don't know what comes into play when the folks who decide these things and create these odds kind of come up with them. I mean, it's a similar question that um, people always ask around the official FIFA rankings when they drop. And usually they drop an entire list. It goes from one all the way through number XXZZZ. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a very, very long list. And a lot of folks get fixated on the top 10. And they, of course, announced just ahead of the World Cup a final official ranking of all of the teams going into this World Cup from one all the way down to, I believe it is 188 mm-hmm. or so. There's a there's a lot of teams, but obviously not all of those teams being represented at the World Cup because there's only 32 participating nations. But with that, in terms of the top 32 folks getting a look, a final look at the top 10 going into this tournament, and there wasn't a lot of change around that official FIFA ranking going into this tournament. It was still USA, followed by Germany. They've been one and two for years moving towards these uh, within these FIFA rankings. So USA, number one, Germany, number two, Sweden, number three, England, number four, France at number five, Spain at number six, Canada at number seven, Brazil at number eight, followed by Netherlands at number nine, and Australia closing out the official top 10 rankings. And even within those rankings, Lisa, I was like, I got a problem with that. Wow. Just like I, when we saw these odds, I thought Brazil was ranked too low, you know, just in terms of current form going into this. I think you even make an argument for, for England and their form over the last 18 yep. Or so, so you know, of course, I took those official FIFA rankings and I created a power rankings of my own, and I absolutely juggled and moved teams around as well. I put I I lifted up England a bit in that, and I also lifted up Brazil within the power rankings as well. Uh, so I, I just was like, let's let's see how this this works out going into the World Cup. I know there's going to be a lot of focus on those top ten teams. I know for me, I believe any of them can get the better of the other on any given day. I think it'll present a very interesting scenario in the knockout rounds. Yeah. Get involved and come into play. And I might I might shift those around as the World Cup goes uh, on. For sure. And see how that goes. But that's part of the the fun. But but I'm with you. I think within any within any of these kind of um 
listicles that we see, whether they're World Cup odds or official FIFA rankings. You take a look at maybe the current form and the buildup or maybe even some of the losses that some of these teams have sustained in the buildup to this tournament and kind of rearrange those rankings, even if you just do it in your head. I think even looking at the just the official FIFA rankings, Germany ranked at number two, but knowing that they've got yeah. some in, like an injuries that they've dealt with leading up to this tournament and knowing that they had some questionable performances in these final two friendlies and sendoffs that they've had in England as well, dealing with their own set of injuries. I don't think there's a team that you can go through, uh, go through any of the official FIFA rankings and not point out some players who are either uh, some teams that are either affected by injury or have players making a return. Yeah, I agree completely. There's a, a lot of different factors that come into play. And and if you're not reading Sandra's work on CBSSports.com yet, please go read it. She's got power rankings. She's got breakdowns of teams. She's got anything and everything you could imagine and want to hear about. She writes all about it. That's all she does. She's just sitting over there writing. And, and we're so grateful for it. Thank God. Um, but you're exactly right, Bud, because there's a lot of different factors that are going to come into play. I think the first opening three days of this World Cup are going to be really telling, right? You you mentioned it, Australia and Ireland starting things off. The U.S. plays on the second day. That's when we're going to get our first t actual taste of what's happening. A lot of these nations have played, um, quote-unquote, send-off games or final friendlies before they head to the World Cup, and there's been some very interesting results. There's been very interesting results is what has has come from these when you look at Germany and, and Zambia or whether it was Ireland and France and England that played. Um, those are good games to watch. But as we go through the group stages, power rankings are going to change and odds are going to change. And favorites, frankly, for me, for you, for the world, um, are all going to change, especially throughout those first four days of play. Yeah, I think um, hopefully, knock on wood, we won't get more news to report about regarding injuries. Uh, I would love for everyone to just sort of enter this tournament as healthy as they can. But that doesn't mean that there's not a bit of news to touch on before we close out this episode. So let's chat a little bit about it. We touched on, or I just mentioned some of the injuries that have affected yeah. some teams going into this World Cup. Uh, Germany specifically, Carolyn Simon suffering a ACL injury will not participate in this upcoming World Cup for Germany. Huge blow, a big marquee kind of name player for this German side ahead of this World Cup. Uh, we've also got another a bit of news as well. This, of course, it's, it wouldn't be a live show if we didn't see and react to some news uh, live. Uh, thanks for the love, Kathleen, on, on the written work. Appreciate you as always. Um, Zambia making an announcement that unfortunately their goalkeeper, Hazel Nali, has also sustained an ACL injury and will not participate in this upcoming World Cup. And it's interesting that we had to kind of close out the episode with this because we're talking about um, players who are going to represent NWSL teams that we haven't had a chance to take a look at. And I'm on Dion Ree is one of these players who recently signed a contract mm -hmm. with Angel City FC and was going to this World Cup with France. I mean, the final yeah. roster was named with her on it. And we're talking just days uh, saying that she actually won't be able to participate in this upcoming World Cup, more due to a muscular issue. It is a calf injury that unfortunately is going to keep her out yeah. of the World Cup. So 
this one, this one is so sad. And I saw people in our chat while we were talking about NWSL players that, uh, being like, hey, why aren't you talking about Henri? Why aren't you talking about Henri? Um, because sadly, like, you can't watch her play in the World Cup. And it's breaking my heart. Honestly, all these injuries are. It's been a horrible plague that has been happening, whether it's the number of ACLs, as you just mentioned, two of them, and Simon and, and Niall. But now with um, – Amadine Henri not being there, as you mentioned, it is muscular with that calf injury for France that happening uh, just recently as France played against Ireland in, in a closeout game for them. Massive, right, to, to not be able to have Henri going to the World Cup and, and also tough for Angel City, right? Like you have to look at long term as well, hopefully, but not going to the World Cup for Henri. It'll give her a chance to continue to rehab, get better, strengthen that, that muscular issue um, before before heading over to Los Angeles to play in the NWSL? I think uh, knowing knowing that it's not an ACL injury, I think maybe there's some hope there for, for Angel City fans or yeah. even fans of the France national team to to want to see this player can continue on and, and get an opportunity to, to compete in general this year. So maybe that is going to happen with Angel City. Uh, you know, there was a point where – I had some questions around the signing and I thought, you know, if Henri goes on to this world cup competes, maybe France makes a deep run. Who knows if they even go and win it all. That's a lot to ask of a player to come back and immediately impact your club team after they go through such a grueling grinding kind of a tournament. So how much of an impact would she be able to, to play in this season specifically? I, I, there was something about the timeline for me, but now you add this into the mix and there's some even more question marks around it as well. So Definitely wanted to touch on that. We also want to shout out a signing for Gotham FC because this also is an international signing as well. They added a midfielder to their roster in Maitane Lopez. She's going to join them for the next two years and we'll get a chance to, to get to see her play with the squad. She was asked about that, you know, in terms of being one of those players in the mix and, and was there a possibility where she was going to get named to Spain's roster? Unfortunately, fell just short of cracking that roster. And she's trying to utilize this as a bit of an opportunity. She said, you know what? I'm looking at it as a bit of a blessing because I'm going to get to play in the United States in one of the best leagues in the world and get a chance to work on my game and other facets of it as well. So excited to see what she can bring in NWSL. But in terms of news that isn't directly tied to either signings or unfortunate injuries, something that we wanted to touch on was VAR in this one. Uh, we're going to get a little bit of a, of a show in the World Cup because referees will explain VAR in real time to crowds in the stadium. A first time. Massive. I'm picturing like NFL style, right? Like that's that's what we can maybe expect going forward. I think this will be really helpful, frankly, to the people in the stadium, although they'll also be doing it. Um, so it'll be real time from the referees in stadium and to the broadcast at home. However, the people usually watching the broadcast at home, um, they often get a little bit insight from the commentators and the pundits talking about the game because they get insight from the red hat on the field saying, hey, this is why the VAR was called. And, and also on the broadcast, you get to see exactly what the VAR is looking at. And the broadcasters usually do a fantastic job of telling you where to look, pointing out what's happening, why it's a call, why it shouldn't be a call, um, breaking it down for you so that the viewers at home usually have insight into what's happening. However, if you're watching a game live in stadium, all you know is that 
the the referee has gone to VAR to look at it. And usually they put up on the Jumbotron, hey, like VAR review. And then whatever the call is, whether it's a goal, no goal, if it's a, a PK, no PK, whatever it may be, a card, no card. That's all you know just from watching it. But you don't know why. You don't know what they're looking at if it happens to be offside or a foul or um, just reviewing a goal, whether it's a goal or no goal, or if it's something that happened previously in the play as the play developed. For those that have been watching the NWSL, you've seen a lot of different calls like that because NWSL is the, the first women's professional league to incorporate VAR this year. And there's been a lot of hiccups as they've gotten through it, but um, the officials have gotten better at it. The broadcasters have gotten better at understanding what's happening. And, and so now the people at home have been able to do that. But when you're in a stadium, you don't know what's happening. So this is massive for the tournament as a whole. I mean, FIFA is like taking slow steps and, and building steps up to make this better for everyone, whether it's the nations, the players, the fans, the officials, the coaching staff, the, the people talking about it as well. I like this. I like that they're doing this, Sandra. What do you think? Look, I'm, I'm here for it. I think there's I think there's a general concern around it in that VAR is something that already takes time away from the game. So how will this right. also play a role? And so I think there's some concerns and there's a little bit of worry about that. I, it, it brings up a little bit of similar energy, like deja vu as well for me, because I know when they rolled out VAR, it was during that Women's World Cup. And then it was the first time that they kind of utilized it. And there was still some questions around that and, and getting the timing right done around those calls. So I'm trying to lean more into the glass is half full versus it's half empty. I think it's going to actually provide a little bit of a more entertaining factor into this game. Yeah. I think folks, the more they're informed, the better of a viewing experience it is. So maybe there's going to be some frustrating moments for, you know, not just the players and coaching staff, but also the officiating as well as they got to mm -hmm. kind of get into a routine of things. But I think overall, I think the more information, the better. Yeah, completely. It's going to just provide more clarity for the fans that are in Australia and New Zealand watching this. Um, but it, it can't help but think back to the Men's World Cup in, in last November and the stoppage time that came into play. We're going to have to see how this rolls out. For those that don't remember, didn't get to watch much of the Men's World Cup, there was like 10, 12 minutes of stoppage time yeah. added on for like a majority of the games. I remember after the first like two days, it was like there have been 45 extra minutes of soccer played due to the stoppage time. It was it was incredible. It was incredibly lengthy. And and when they were playing in Qatar, it was so hot. It was extra minutes and, and load management for these players. It became like a trickle down effect as to everything that was happening. So we'll see kind of how this World Cup shakes out and, and what happens in terms of VAR extra time and stoppage time that comes into play at the end of the games. It's so funny to hear you chat about that because I think we've seen a little bit of that kind of chaos in NWSL. Like this is the first regular season that NWSL has started to utilize VAR. And there have been some moments where the stoppage time has been excessive at the end of games, whether it's been seven, eight, nine, ten 10 minutes really, really early on in that first half of the regular season. But like with most things, 
time has helped. And I think there's been a little bit of a better routine when it comes to going to VAR and utilizing yeah. those things yeah. moving forward. So I'm excited to see how it looks in a World Cup. I know we're amped about it. I hope everyone else is amped about it as well. We're going to keep all of the good World Cup content rolling out for y'all, but that is a wrap for us today at A3. Happy birthday to us. We're two. The duo is two. Thanks, everyone, for joining us and celebrating along with us and, of course, for listening to Attacking Third. Download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts. You can watch us, too. Subscribe to us on YouTube to get alerts for whenever we go live at youtube.com slash attacking third make sure you're following us on every single social media platform whether it's twitter or instagram or threads even facebook etc because you never know when an announcement or two will drop along the way so make sure you're also following us on all social channels as well and we will be back with even more content for you this week tune in on friday for sandra and lisa carlin was attacking third 